0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What makes a theologian? Is it countless years of study? A minimum of a bachelor's degree in theology? Is an MDiv from one of our seminaries required? What makes a theologian is not knowledge. Well, knowledge is certainly important, what makes a theologian is something far deeper and far more profound. Luther, in the year 1539, some seven years roughly before his death, made some comments as a preface to his writings and works that began to be published In those writings and works, he of course, or in the preface to those writings and works, he expresses his sentiment that he wishes all his own works would be burnt, that people would simply focus on the scriptures instead. He says, anything that you're going to learn from me, you could have already learned from the scriptures. And then he sets forward a methodology of becoming a theologian that he says he learns from King David in Psalm 119. That way in which one becomes a theologian consists of three Latin words, oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. Oratio, prayer, meditatio, meditation, and tentatio, temptation or affliction. These things function, says Luther, As a kind of cycle, the way in which God Himself makes every Christian, to one degree or another, into a theologian. Tonight we look briefly at oratio, prayer. Prayer is, of course, part of a conversation a conversation that's already been initiated by God in the self-revelation through his Son and in his word. When a disciple asked Christ to show him the Father, Jesus said, "'Have I been with you so long and still you do not know me? "'If you have seen me, you have seen the Father.'" Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. God's revelation of himself in Christ Jesus is the opening of the conversation. And of course, the fullness of his word is God initiating his conversation with you. Indeed, how deeply we feel the poverty of our own hearts when we turn with nothing but our hearts toward God and say, well, what should I pray about? After you exhaust your day and your usual list, that's about it. But we can pray from the riches of God's word. For it is he who initiates the conversation through his word, and our prayers are a response, a participation in that conversation. It should never cease to amaze us when we consider what prayer actually is. That we, even in our insignificance, we, mired as we are in our sins, open our lips And this not only delights God who makes all things, who sustains all things, this not only delights him, but our words go right into his ears. Like a loving father listening to his little children. He promises to hear us. And he delights whether your prayers are good or not. He delights in them. Oratio is the way one becomes a theologian. Luther points to Psalm 119 and David's writings, how frequently David utters things like, teach me your ways, O Lord, make me to know your statutes. We realize that God must give his Holy Spirit through his word that we can understand his word. And apart from these things, we'll have nothing but the tyranny of our own reason, and soon we'll no longer have God but our own imaginations as our God. So we must pray for the Holy Spirit, for nothing can come by our own reason or strength. I chose as our text today the prayer from Hannah, recorded in Samuel And that because Hannah and Mary go hand in hand. We just heard Hannah's prayer. In a few moments, we'll sing the Magnificat, Mary's Prayer, and you'll marvel at how similar they are. In both of these women, too, it is evident that nothing can be accomplished by the wisdom and strength of man. No wisdom and strength of man can make a barren woman conceive. No wisdom or strength of man can make a virgin conceive and yet remain a virgin. Both of these women pray, and the depth of their prayer and the content of their prayer shows them forth to be master theologians, to be proficient in oratio, meditatio, and to have experienced enough Tentats who enough temptation and affliction to deepen their theology and give it depth and character. Hannah prays, I pour out my soul. Hers is a prayer of sorrow. Mary prays, my soul magnifies the Lord. And hers is a prayer of jubilation. Prayer can be just that. From sorrow to joy, and everywhere in between. From a lengthy prayer like Psalm 119, to a simple sigh, it is all received by our Heavenly Father. Indeed, we heard a strange thing that when Hannah went to the tabernacle, and was praying silently, this was such an odd thing that Eli came and accused her of being drunk. That because God's people of all times and places have predominantly prayed by speaking out loud. And I commend that to you. If you don't pray speaking out loud, try it. You'll seldom, if ever, go back. But of course, the beauty is that God hears that silent prayer of Hannah, where only her lips are moving, but no noise is coming out. God hears prayers that are ex corde, straight from the heart, just as he hears prayers that are memorized or written out. And even when we know not how we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit begins praying for us with a voice that we cannot hear making intercession on our behalf and praying those things that we should be praying. All our prayers, though we are unworthy, though the prayers themselves be unworthy, all our prayers are prayed in and through Christ, our great high priest, and thus find their worthiness before God in him. This Advent, it is good to reflect on prayer. Jesus' birth is the answer of countless prayers, and Jesus' second coming is the answer of countless more. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus. When his disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray, he taught no method, but rather put the Our Father into our ears and upon our lips. Jesus himself prayed from the beginning of his life to his cross. Indeed, on the cross, he prayed for those crucifying him and for you and for me. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And even when he felt the full weight of God's justice and wrath, because he truly bore your sins there and mine. He prayed out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But note the faith, the perfect love, my God, my God. As we are conformed into the image of Christ, may our prayers be conformed into the image of his prayers. May we pray for those who hate us, and even when we feel as though God himself has turned against us, may we pray in faith and love toward him nonetheless. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.